I'm Angela Kelly Robeck, host of the Empowered Principal Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Reflect Ed, the podcast where I share my perspective on the challenges and successes that are taking place in our schools and focus on goal setting and plans for future improvement. Through rich conversation and meaningful dialogue, we will discuss practical ways to make schools better for students and educators. Hey, and welcome back to Reflect Ed. This is episode 10. I'm your host, AJ Bianco. In this episode, I sit down and talk to Mike Brilla and Dave Frangiosa about an episode of Ryan Holiday's Daily Dad podcast. In this episode, we reflect on whether or not we are preparing our children for school and life as dads and educators. I hope you enjoy it. right here we are episode 10 of reflect ed as mentioned i'm with dave frangiosa and mike brilla and i'm gonna let them introduce themselves so mike let's start with you hey uh so i guess i don't know what do i what so i, I teach in uh, a school district about 40 miles west of philly uh it's called owen j roberts school district i've been a Social studies teacher for since 2004. I'm not real good at math, so I don't know how long ago that was. And then the last couple of years, I've been a teacher on assignment for Google integration. So that's me. There you go. Thanks for sharing. Dave? All right. Dave Frangiosa. I'm a science teacher at Pascac Hills High School, which is in northern New Jersey. Um, yeah, I've been working on grade reform for about six years now. So um i'm excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today and uh aj let's get it started let's get it started so we are focusing on an episode of a podcast called the daily dad by ryan holiday and he titled this and titled, titled this episode what are we teaching them and since the episode is short we decided that i'm going to read this episode to you just like ryan did um if you don't want to hear me read it deal with it uh, if you want to check out the episode, again, it's from the Daily Dad podcast, and it's called What Are We Teaching Them? And this is our focus. The episode's two minutes long, so here we go. If this takes me two minutes, then, Ryan, you better watch out here. There we go. The fact that there are so many memes about this shows how widespread the problem is. Another day without using the Pythagorean theorem, reads one. Another joke's about a kid wanting to learn how to balance their finances, who is instead taught hot cross buns on the recorder. Another has a totally unprepared adult repeating the one thing they learned in school. Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Maybe you remember your own bafflement as a kid, bored out of your mind in classes, where your only thought was, when am I ever going to use this? Then there was the Spartan king, Angelus, who once asked, almost 2,500 years ago now, what children should be taught, to which he replied, what they will also use when they become men. Normally... There is some solace to be taken from problems that have a timeless quality to them. It means our struggle isn't unique. We aren't singularly deficient or incapable. It's kind of a relief. Except this can't be one of those times, because in our failure, and how badly we have failed at this, we are letting down not just our kids, but the future too. And why? Because we're busy. Because we have somehow been conditioned to just go along with the curriculum. 
Also, because it's easy. Teaching to a test, measuring trivia, memorization, and facts is much less complicated than teaching to mastery, to understanding, to wisdom, to ethics, and problem solving and critical thinking skills. These things are harder, sure, but that's because they actually matter. And if our kids' teachers can't or won't do it because the system isn't set up for them to be able to, then it's up to us. There is one reason to learn, there is but one purpose to education, and it's not to memorize the state capitals alphabetically. It's to become a capable person of good character. That's what we have to be teaching them. That's what we have to monitor. That's what we have to model. So guys, where do we want to take this? So I agree with the majority of what he's saying. So I think too often we get caught up with standardized testing and scores and results that as a group teachers do lose sight of the process. And I agree process is the most important thing because that's what students carry with them. Um, you know, AJ, I know you've made this point before. You're not going to remember what grade you got in eighth grade history. You're not going to remember some of the things that you learned, but you will take skills with you. So uh, there's a lot in here that I do agree with. Um, there's one piece in here that um, did kind of hit me the wrong way, which I'll I'll kind of save that and we can discuss that later. But um, I'll let you share your thoughts. Okay. Mike? Yeah, I kind of, along the same lines, I like, he definitely doesn't hold back, right? Like, he, he's pretty, pretty um, critical of the whole system. And I think sometimes, you know, I fall into that camp too, where I, I feel like sometimes I just get frustrated. Um, I get frustrated with the constraints that are put on us, and I get frustrated with the constraints that we put on ourselves as teachers. Um, so I, I, the same thing as Dave, like overwhelming majority, most of it, I'm like right there with them. A couple times I'm like, oof, like let's pump the brakes a little bit on, on the harshness. However, um, I, I love like, you know, the stakes are pretty darn high, right? And, and his line where he talks about like we're letting our kids down. Um, I, I think, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know who said it one time where it's, I it might've been a book or a podcast, probably a podcast I read, I listened to where the guy talked about at some point we have to decide, are we going to be the teacher who teaches to the test? Or are we going to be the teacher who teaches what we care about? Mm -hmm. And, uh, that stuck with me and, and it's not, you know, not a judgment, but it's just, that's my theory, my opinion. So, so for me with this podcast, a lot of the times I listen to it, I listen to it strictly as a dad. And to be upfront, Mike, you text me this and you said, you got to listen to today's episode. And I went to listen to it. And, and it was hard for me to kind of listen as a dad and as an educator. And I think Dave and Mike, I think that's where you guys are coming from with some of the points. Like as a dad, of course, I want the best for my kids. Of course, I want to model. Of course, I want to be the one who's, who's helping them grow. And I don't want to let them down. And when I put them in a school, I'm hoping the teacher can continue what I'm doing. And Dave, I don't want to step on your toes. I know there's a point you want to, you want to talk about, but I hope that what I have taught them at home, they're learning more at school. And it's not just like brainwashing them that everything I've taught them should be changed to this, to what the curriculum is telling them to, to this alphabetical social studies memorization. Cause that, that's not even what I did in my classroom. Mm -hmm. So you know, where a lot of this I thought was great. And at the beginning of the episode, totally agreed with him. 
the life lessons we want in school, a lot of our students are not getting early. They may not even be getting them later. They may not even be getting them in college. So that, that's very true. You know, we're touching on things that probably don't matter. But, you know, as I go through as a dad, I kind of woke up and I was like, okay, so put them on the right track, show them what they need to know, and just continue to, to drive them and push them, you know, so that I'm not letting them down. Right. And schools are looking at them that way and parents are looking at them that way. The social capital that comes with my student got this grade or has this GPA or got into this school. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are are happening in education, both in the school and at home that I think is doing harm to students. And, you know, AJ, you know what I've been doing for the past six years, and I'm, I'm actively trying to combat this, right? I'm changing my class to be more skill focused, to really focus on those values and to carry those forward. And, you know, I'm trying to do my part. And the, the part of this that hit me wrong was where he said, if teachers can't, or are not willing to do this, then it's on us. No, I'm a parent. I have two children. That is always on me. I have to give them those values and they go to school with them. And I hope that their teachers enhance those values, but it is not my kids teachers responsibility to provide them with those values. That's always been on me. And I, I think that's a dangerous statement if you're saying that um, the teachers are the ones responsible for instilling values. I believe I'm a role model, and I will not shy away from that responsibility. And I, th- I think I walk that every day. You know, I, I live my life with integrity. I, I treat the kids with respect. I model everything that I would hope that Ryan's talking about that he would like to see his kids gain. And I, I, you know, I put a lot of weight on that, but it is not my responsibility to foster that in them. I I almost like, I think about, I I've, I've heard a little bit about your, your whole, the the grading and I'm like, (laughs) lock step like send me what you have because i like same exact thing and sometimes i feel like you know it's it's our the win at all costs the ranking nature of our educational system that causes these big problems right because i can't like some of my best and brightest kids were the ones who would push back the, the hardest when i tried to do these you know the not so content driven curricula stuff where they'd be like, well, just tell me what's important. Why can't I just take a test on this? Cause they're good at like the game of school. Right. So I feel like it's, it's almost, <laughs> we lose some of those, some of those parents don't see the value in, in us teaching the other things because they're so focused on that. It's gotta, they've gotta get the A they've gotta be, you know, eighth grade social studies. Well, we'll just put them on track for AP and you know, <laughs> who cares? Uh, and then the other thing, I, I, I read a book a 
couple of years ago, Marching Off the Map. I don't know if you ever heard this. It's, it, it's phenomenal. And, and it's, it's definitely well, it's well worth the read. But it talks about like our, our society today and what kids are like today. It's Tim Elmore and um, Andrew McPeak, I think, are the authors. And I don't like I'm not trying to get too like nostalgic, like back in my day or, you know, when I first started teaching. But like the reality is we're dealing with a whole different set of people. And sometimes they, they had this great argument where they say, like, we've extended child or how to go. We've shortened childhood and we've extended childishness. So, like, kids, kids experience way too much, way too early. But for whatever reason, at home, wherever, they're not getting those timeless skills they need to mature and grow. So, like, I, I, I'm right there with you with as far as, like, it's not just our responsibility. But I think, sadly, sometimes it is just our because we're the only ones there to do it for, for some people, for whatever reason, for the driven parents and for the parents who have so much else going on. That that's that's a really big point. That last part you just said is we're the ones who are there, you know. And I think when we look at education and we look at at parents on the outside, you know, some people are, are just saying, "Just babysit my kids or, or or teach my kids or just help my kids grow up." You know, they put a lot on us because at home the child is one, and then at school it's somebody different. So for a lot of parents, and I'm, I'm not saying Ryan's one of these people, I don't, I don't think he is, you know, just from following him and seeing what he is. But I feel like, you know, he's definitely somebody who cares about education. He cares about life experience, you know, but I, there are people in his camp who are just saying the teachers will do that for me. The teachers yeah. will, will teach manners. The teachers will show how to tie shoes and, and, and do all the things that I'm a working parent. I can't do it at home. I don't have that time, but I know the teachers will and that they're going to teach them the right thing. They're going to teach them about the politics. Maybe it's something that they're not comfortable talking about at home. They're going to show them science because I can't do science or I can't do math. That's what the school is going to do. You know, now that that SEL is there, the school is going to show my, my, my child how to better handle their mental health and their wellness. You know, a lot of parents put a lot on schools and I'm not saying he's doing this in this, in this uh, podcast and in this reading, but kind of sounds like he is <laughs> kind of sounds like he is well I, I don't know if that was his intent right. and i'll give him the benefit of the doubt there and look i got broad shoulders responsibility you know but it's a shared responsibility and the reality is i only see your child for at most an hour a day so there's 23 other hours in the day where I have no authority over them and no influence. So it, that part is a little unfair to have that high of an expectation. If they're not coming in with the respect for education, if they don't value it, if they don't want to be there, and especially in an environment like we're in now. I can't force them to turn their cameras on, right? I've directly asked students, can you please hang back after everybody leaves so I can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you? And as soon as I say that, they make sure they're the first person to leave. So, you know, how can I do all those other things if they don't at least have that basic respect for education or value that? So, you know, there's... It, it's a shared responsibility, and and that's where it has to start. I have to laugh, Dave. You talk about like 
not, not turn your cameras on. Last week we were we were home on one of those days where there's all that snow, and my wife teaches high school math, and she was having a, a conference with a kid who was struggling and needed some help. And the kid's mother happened. That she was a teacher too, so she could be home. So she she came in. And she told my wife, she's like, Mrs. Brill, you might not want to watch this. I'm about to smack him in the back of the head because he didn't have his camera on when he first heard it. was the same. Like, she was like sitting there saying, like, I can't, you know, how can we teach these kids without the cameras on? And I get it. Like, I, I'm, I am totally opposed to turning, like forcing cameras to turn on. But yeah, it's so hard right now. And, and but I had, it's exactly what I thought of. The shared responsibility, I think, is that's huge. And I think you can see it in the kids, too, when, 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 Parents understand it's a shared responsibility. It's we're going to call it co-parenting if if we can. You know, <laughs> I think for the kids whose parents are really understanding of the the shared responsibility, that the kids act a little differently. It's the kids who I don't want to say this word, but I'm going to say it because I can. The kids who are a little more entitled who come to school just oh, my parents told me to go to school today, and you know I'm going to go home and do the work, and then I'm going to come back tomorrow, and you know things going to change. Those are the ones who are just all over the map, and it's our job as educators to really find a way to help those kids and teach those kids and help those kids grow up. You know, yeah. and I think I think that becomes the problem. I think we have probably more of the quote unquote entitled kids than we do of the kids who whose parents have that shared responsibility of you do your thing at school, I'll teach them at home. Yeah, and, and like I, I definitely feel that in, in my in my district where I'm at, we're in a pretty pretty affluent area, and sometimes that comes with it. And I feel like there are the kids that we sometimes they're the hard. It's it's easy for me. I don't know about it. It's easy to to like take pity or not take pity, but to kind of reach out and care for a kid who doesn't have as much. For me, it's hard for those. It, that's where I need to like swallow my pride sometimes. Like, look, you know, this kid. They've got that sense of entitlement. They obviously, you know, and sometimes it's an attitude that comes with it. You know, it's that's where it's like, well, here's your, this is where your professionalism takes takes over, and you've got to really kick it into high gear here because it, it it's that's the toughest part mm-hmm. for me is dealing with that sense of entitlement. A lot of I, I, concern, you know, and there's the the students who need to be in every day are the ones who are choosing to opt out. And so once again, it goes back to that point of, you know, if, if I'm not in front of them and they're not turning their camera on and, you know, I know they're watching Netflix or YouTube or, or something at home because you know, I'll directly ask them a question and they don't respond. They, they didn't even hear the question. So they're distracted at home and, you know, they need to be in the building. There's a reason why we're opening these buildings is students, in order for us to educate them properly or effectively, we need to see them. And, you know, seeing them on a screen isn't the same as seeing them face to face. And too often, the ones that I need to see the most are the ones that are there the least. And, you know, and I, I guess my experience is what what was making that statement, I guess, impact me the way it did is because I know what I do with my students in front of me. And if you're not sending them to me, how can I do my job? What What is our job? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> what is our job? Because it says here, 
And going back to the article, uh, the podcast real quick, teaching to a test, measuring trivia, memorization and facts is much more is much less complicated than teaching to mastery. So what's our job? To import skills on my students that they can transfer to learn anything that they will need to learn in the future. So, so I, I, I'm like your tip stereotypical social studies teacher. Like some, when I, when I came out of college, they're like, well, I remember my mom who works in education school. Like, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to separate yourself from everybody? It's like, Oh mom, I know exactly what she gives. And she said, don't, don't tell me you're going to coach a sport. Cause every social studies teacher does. I was like, well, I'll coach two sports. So like, I, you know, I take, I try and take as much as I can from my coaching over into my classroom because I feel like if you're not doing that, what the heck, like you're wasting your time. And like four or five years ago, um, we actually took a look at our program and we talked about like we came up with a mission statement for coaching. And then I was like, you know, like why? Well, how is this any different than in my classroom? So I started to think about how it can apply to my classroom. So it's like, you know, I, I coach or teach to build young people of character. And then when I come to the teaching, it's also to have them think creatively, critically and collaboratively and then be able to communicate those skills with everybody else. So it's four C's mm-hmm. that, that everyone talks about. Mm-hmm. And I, and I feel, you know, social studies teachers right now, like <laughs> now I teach. So, you know, what happened in the fall doesn't happen again. So we can have some sort of civil discourse. Yeah. So I think some of the things that, that we had spoke about before we hit record on this, you know, just the idea of being a role model. Right. And, and that's that's like the biggest part for me as an educator, like showing students that, first of all, it's OK to learn and it's OK to show that you have learned and that you are a, a smart or intelligent individual and you can be a contributing member of our society you know and and that's where i teach well i'm gonna go with my boys right now because caitlin's still just a baby but i'm trying to show them how to be gentlemen how to do the right thing how to you know talk to people how to treat people you know as we talk about as men right as dads my boys treat their mother a certain way and that's how you treat everybody else Right. That's the way I was taught. That's the way I'm sure you guys were taught. And I'm sure that's the way, you know, you're going to treat your kids. You know, how we do this, how we portray ourselves should not change. The way I am with my kids, I feel like I've become a better educator since I had kids. I think that changed and opened my eyes as to if this is what I'm doing in my classroom, I would not or I would want my kid's teacher doing this for them. You know, I would want compassion and empathy and I would want them to push my kids more. So, you know, again, those, those, those are smaller lessons in the classroom than they are at home. But I feel like I take that with me everywhere I go. And I think that's what really changed me as an educator. So uh, along those lines, we know that part of the learning process is failure, right? And so we have to normalize that and teach our students how to respond to adversity and failure. And I think when what Ryan was talking about, about like memorizing facts, when we care about correctness over process and we don't normalize that failure, there's going to be a point in every person's life where they encounter failure. And if we have not taught them how to process that, how to deal with that and how to move past that. Well, then we've missed, we've missed the opportunity to, to really do something valuable for our students. And, 
uh, on that point that he's making, I agree with him a hundred percent. You know, that standardized testing mentality is, well, you know, our standardized test scores are higher. So our property values go up and like it's, it's a currency grades are a currency and we're losing sight of all of those other things. And schools have become very much a PR machine as opposed to really just focusing on educating the child, right? Where, and I know parents want what's best for their child, but just because you went to school does not make you an expert in education. And I know that might sound harsh, but it's the truth. I spend hours, countless hours reading research and trying to apply that in my classroom. So when somebody comes to me and they feel that something should be different, well, it's very hard for me to have that conversation when I know, like, we're talking about this isn't one study. This is things that have been replicated over 70 plus years. So it, we need to change our focus at home, in guidance, you know, in administration. Like, the focus needs to truly be on learning. And we say that, but do we really mean it? See, I appreciate yeah, it. I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I'll, you're, you're the guest. Uh, I was just going to – we're so stuck on that, that whole accountability. Like we try and – everything's got to be accountable, accountable, accountable. And, and people are afraid to give up that because it's what we know. Like, and that's what I love about like with your grading system or how you're talking about going towards things. You know, it's – like I, I love your way, way of saying it. Grades become currency, right? And like that's like that – they have to be able to measure an A, a B, a C. A D. So it's it's just it's frustrating because it's like, you know, there's such better ways to do it. There's such better. But then on the flip side, I'll say this, and this might make me the you know we talk about how great this Daily Dad podcast is. It might make me a worse parent ever. You know, my boys are in fifth grade and second grade, and they have they have standards based report cards. I still don't know if I've looked at a single one yet. And like that conference as we go in, and like the question is. Are they nice kids? Are they making friends? And do they do they behave when they're supposed to? So, so Mike, I think you just hit on a point that I was actually going to talk about with Dave. So, so Dave, as a high school teacher, like Mike and I are both in the middle school, right? So, I think, I, I think we're we might be tackling education a little different, right? While I agree with your grading, you know, when I look at the middle school, I feel like the middle school is a time where we have to mold our students to really push them as learners because when they come from elementary school, I'm not saying they're not doing anything, but they're doing the basics. They're learning how to learn, right? They're learning what it is to be to be in school. And then when they get to middle school, they're learning new things. They're learning major content. They're learning about who they are as people and, and, and society. And I think when it gets to high school and, and please tell me if I'm wrong, you are prepping them for a specific content that a lot of them are going to take with them as they move on and find their passions in college or, or after college or whatever the case may be. So I think we're looking at education a little bit differently, but the way we still treat our kids is the same. So I, I don't know if I'm completely off saying, you know, middle school, maybe we kind of like we mold them more. Well, high school, you just kind of like prep them. 
That's not the way that I teach. I use content as a vehicle to do the same thing that you're doing because my view is learning is a progression, right? And you start as a beginner, you develop, you become proficient, and with enough practice and guidance and support, you eventually become an expert. And if you have that, the skills to critically think, to uh, decipher information, to analyze data, to communicate your ideas you're going to be successful in anything that you do. So those skills are way more important than any content. Not that content's unimportant, but it becomes the vehicle, not the focus. So that's kind of why I'm, I'm fighting an uphill battle because you're right. There's a lot of people who view high school education as, well, we're preparing you for college and your major. And, you know, when you take math in, in college, you're going to need to know this. Or if you take a history course or if you take a science course, they're not going to remember any of it. It's basically we're doing a survey course and maybe it's familiar. Oh, yeah, I heard about that in my high mm-hmm. school science class. They're not going to remember it. It's going to be the second time they see it. And because it's the second time they see it, maybe it's a little easier to pick up. But they're not going in there knowing all of these things. But if you can impart skills on them, they will carry those forward. That, that, that's education, right? That, that's why we got into this. Yeah. We, we wanted to make a change. For ourselves, you know, we, we went to school, we liked what we did or we didn't, and we we're trying to make that change and, and bring about a new way of teaching and learning and modeling and preparing and, and all that goes along with it. So let me let me ask you guys this last question. I don't want to keep you too much longer here. But with this episode, I know a lot of our listeners didn't actually listen to it, but I read it. So it's kind of the same thing. What should the listener take away going forward either as a as a parent or as an educator or if you want to take both i'll let i'll let you guys go with that one what's the biggest takeaway that our that our listeners should should have from this episode i'm gonna let dave go first because i don't want to steal i think i took a lot a lot of what he says i don't want to steal it so go ahead (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) all right put me on the spot um so I would say for both parent and educator, it's a shared responsibility and we need to shift our focus to where our focus belongs, which is true learning and not the accumulation of points that can be cashed in for a grade. And and that's what I was going to say, too. I loved your shared responsibility part. I never thought of that when I first listened to it. And even before I listened to it like twice before we came in, just to refresh my memory, the fact that it is a shared responsibility, like we're not in this alone, but then also that we're not the gatekeepers of content. Like we, we need to we need to be seeking to do more than just teach them our content. And, yeah, I love history and I hope some of my kids love history when they leave my classroom. But it's about helping them become better learners and better people in general. I think that's a perfect way to say it. I think as as a parent, you know, know your role. Like be be part of the school process. Be be there to guide your kids and understand what they're learning. But it's still your job to make sure that they are learning, and it's your job to make sure that school is there as as a place for them to find their passions. It's not the only place, 
but it's important that the kids go and and find out where they're comfortable, make friends, find passions, learn who they are as people, and find a way to change the world. And in your job, as 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 Dave, you said before, support, empower the kids, and and work together. I like that shared responsibility. So, gentlemen, I appreciate you coming on episode ten of Reflect Ed. I know it was diff, different, different. It wasn't just an interview about you, but you know you're going to come back another time, so don't even think about that. Uh, why don't we tell a listener where they can find you on the social medias and what you do on your spare time when you're not teaching? Go All ahead, right, Mike. so uh, you can find <laughs> in social media, best place is Twitter. It's at Mr. Underscore Brilla. Um, and when when I'm not teaching, I'm a dad with two kids, two boys. So right now I am... I would say knee deep, but I'm about neck deep in little league baseball madness, <laughs> helping to organize a league and uh, coaching wrestling. All right, uh, best place to find me too is uh, on Twitter at David Frangosa. Uh, I'm also a dad, two kids. I have a son and a daughter, and uh, I am an avid barbecuer, pizza maker. You know, love cooking, so that's what I do when I'm not teaching. I, I do have to add, I, my absolute favorite thing to do is to watch, even though it doesn't happen as much anymore, watch my Phillies beat Days Mets. Um, <laughs> there's in Philly, I, there's a thing in Philly where we have like a whole bunch of, now I'm in the Philly area, not, I can't claim I'm in the city, but we have like a whole bunch of depressed Met fans memes. We love them. We send them around, but my two of my cousins are Mets fans and I, I, I have to, you guys are definitely better than us right now. <laughs> Well, thanks. <laughs> uh, you're not even going to come back for that one? Oh, you, no. Okay. No. I, I'm not, you know what? F- Philly's had a rough go. You know, like, I, I'm sure you're an Eagles fan, yes. too. You know, I, I'm a Giants fan. So, you know, but. It's all right. I'll, I'll just stay in the corner and watch my Yankees do what they do. Just a constant <laughs> winning. Go race. Go race. That's, that's it. Hey, easy there. So we're still putting a product in the field that goes to the playoffs every single season <laughs> and loses, but that's okay. It gives me another podcast to do. Uh, Chase twenty eight, and there we go. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a recurring a recurring show. Uh, also, gentlemen, I know you're both podcasters, so Dave, you have to say it now because when this releases, episode one is out there. You want to plug it real quick? Yeah, episode one, sure. Episode one of From Earning to Learning will be dropping on March 1st. Um, so I actually have um, about two episodes a week ready to release. So subscribe to that so you don't miss them. I have some uh, some interviews. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Beautiful. Getting out there. Mike, plug your podcast. Uh, so I have it's my best lesson social studies and it was I was bullied into it by Chris um, and I like it so far so far there's Same. only two out there that are the, my reflections but there'll be interviews coming in the next like two weeks to a month there we go appreciate it. and of course Mr. Podcast always finds a way into somebody's episode so shout out to Nessie <laughs> thanks for bullying us buddy <laughs> alright yep. guys thanks so much appreciate your Thank time you. here thanks for having us thanks. Thank you for listening to Reflect Ed. If you have a question or would like to connect, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at AJ Bianco. If you're finding value in this podcast, please help spread the word to other educators. You can subscribe, leave a rating or review, or share on social media with your takeaway and thoughts. 
Make sure to tag me and at ReflectEdPod so we can keep the conversation going. Talk to you soon.